everybody. I'm Adam Hergenrother, and this is Business Me Spirituality. We believe in personal growth through business success. Today, I'm joined by Hallie. Hallie, good morning. Hello. Hallie loves when we do these episodes that um, have a lot of preparation to them. Zero preparation. Zero preparation. <laughs> no context. No context. And she asked, like, what angle do you want no to take direction. with this? I said, the angle, the angle, the product of the conversation is the angle. And, uh, that's not even what you I, said. That's something like that. But it's, the conversation <laughs> is, well, is... The conversation the, is the relationship, but that's not yeah. what we were saying. The conversation was the product. You said the conversation is the It's product. the angle that you take into it because it was uh, what we... Well, I was going to share this this story. Um, so my son and I um, were, well, one of his big, let me back up. Last year, his big milestone was to ski the two. And by the way, he is, uh, he was six and seven when he did these. Actually, he was six when he did the first one and eight. He had just turned eight like a week after. But um, so his, his goal was to ski like the two hardest kind of inbound trails. Wow, I'm sorry, but that doesn't even make sense. He was six when he did the first one, and well, then the, a week later, yes, he exactly. turned eight. This is this is so. The, <laughs> well, in my head, it made perfect sense because he was six when I was about to tell the first story. His first milestone, he was six years old. Gotcha. Yes, let me just provide some more clarity there. Thank okay. you for that. He was six when he did his first skiing season, not the first skiing season, but the first one where his milestone, he had set these goals that basically had said, I need to ski the two hardest trails in Stowe. And they were goat in like this lift line, they're double blacks. And so when he was six, he skied both of them, was super excited. So then he turned seven that year during the skiing season, his his birthday is in January. January, So that's where it came up, January 25th. So it was kind of like the skiing season in between there. Um, and then, uh, at the end of the season, he goes, dad, I, I, and he did Bruce trail, which is an out of bounds trail, which is kind of fun. Uh, and then he's like, I need to pick a really good goal for next year for skiing. And this was like in the spring when he was seven. And, uh, and I said, well, Hey, maybe you could hike the chin and ski Hellbrook. And it's, I believe it's probably the hardest trail, longest, hardest trail in, in Vermont, um, Maybe New England, except for Tuckerman's. But anyway, so it's, it's this big, and everyone loves to do it. It's, it's an awesome trail, but it has to be fill in and everything like this. So that's been his, he's talked about it like every couple of weeks, you know, during the summer. I can't wait to do this. Can't wait to do this. He was, you know, he'd, he's been working with a trainer for two and a half years, not just for this, but like he would always tell his trainer he was going to do this thing. So it was a big deal for him, right? So we've been doing this. And then um, a couple of weeks ago, we got enough snow that it filled in that it was actually safe to go up there. And, uh, so I came back from doing a backcountry, and it was, it was, uh, three degrees out and it was freezing and the wind was ripping kind of like it was last night. That wind, mm. by the way, last night was out of control mm-hmm. and it actually took one of my sconces off my garage. Really? Yeah. We have like big, like U shaped sconce that's like four feet out when it took it off. It was crazy. We actually heard something banging last night and I thought it was like the trash can or something going. Mm. I was like, what is that wind? And then we couldn't find out it was actually hitting our garage oh, door. That's what it was. Um, so anyways, uh, it was really windy. It was like three degrees out. It was really windy. And I come home and I called. I was like, hey, I'm on my home. You want to go skiing? And he's like, yeah, of course. He's like, we're doing the chin today. And I'm like, are you sure? I'm like, it's it's really windy. It's freezing. It's it's. I mean, it's three degrees of the temperature. And uh, and he's like, no, we're going to do it. And I said, okay. So I said, get ready. So we come in there and we get up and we, you, in order to do this, you have to take the gondola up and then you hike. And it usually takes, call it 45 minutes for a boot pack hike to get up to where you want to go. And then you can start skiing down uh, and then transition over to what's called Hellbrook. And you come out in the notch road and you have to ski out from there. And so we left uh, probably like 1230 from the gondola and uh, we hiked. And he did actually amazing on this hike. I would set the boot pack because it was kind of deep snow. So I was setting it smaller steps so he could walk with me. And I had both sets of skis and everything in my 
backpack. So he didn't have that on there. And actually somebody saw us doing this from out and actually ended up joining us. And I was like, you can go ahead. He's like, no, this is a good pace. Like and so Asher <laughs> was so proud. He was keeping up with this, awesome. this kid's pace. And, um, and of course I had all the preparation gear and stuff that you would, you would need. And, uh, so we, we get up in there and it's not that bad windy. You're kind of in this little alley for a while of it. And then we start getting to the top and it starts ripping and side note, we actually looked at what the temperature was. So this wasn't like an Adam guess of what the, t- what the, what the wind was. Or it's negative 200. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. We actually looked at what this is, what the, the consistent sustained wind was at the top of, uh, they have an app for that. Uh, and then what the guess the gusts were. So it was 44 mile an hour sustained wind with gusts over 65 miles an hour, which is a lot yeah. by the way. And yeah. it's four degrees. So it's a, it's a temperature with a wind chill of negative 50 to negative 65 degrees basically. And so we get to the top. I mean, it is ripping and I'm like, and Asher starts crying and he's like, and you can't hear anybody like, because it's so windy. And so I, you know, of course he's got this face mask on, he's got a hat on a hat and I zipped his coat up and put a hood over him. I took out my goggles, put the goggles around his, his head. So he doesn't have any bare skin exposed. Cause that's all I was there. And of course his goggles didn't work. So I did, I had no goggles because mm-hmm. his goggles fogged up from him walking up there. So anyways, I had to give him mine. So we get up there and we, I'm like, we just have to get to the top. And like, you're yelling because the wind is ripping. It's actually pushing me over at some point in a, in a, right before we got to the top, a skier started skiing down right through the boot pack. And we're like, what are you doing? He's like, it's too windy. I had to turn around. And I'm like, well, this kid, I'm like, my son's going up. Do you want to come up with us? Cause he'd never done it before. And he's like, so he transitioned, walked up with us. Cause he was like, well, man, this is like this eight year old's going up. Like I have yeah. to kind of go up too. It's a famous hike. So anyways, we get up there and it gets really, it's super windy. It's super cold. The, the wind is blowing snow. So it's hard to see too. You can kind of picture this on top of this mountain and he's crying and like, I'm trying to get everything organized and trying to like, you know, things fly away really quickly. Can, can I ask a question? Yeah. Why do you, I mean, I, He's a kid, but why do you think he was crying? Was he scared or was he, um, I'm just kind of curious, like, what was he feeling? Uh, I think he was, I think he was scared. Yeah. I think okay. he had a lot of fear. Or was around. he like hurting? Hurt no, he or, wasn't yeah. hurt. He was just scared. And it's, yeah. it's scary environment. So when I noticed he was actually crying, I went up to him and I turned him so he, his back was to the, to the wind. And I sat him down and I said, look, I said, this is an environment. We talked about this. I said, it's gonna be really windy. I said, you have to learn how to handle yourselves in these environments. I said, crying. I get it. People want to cry. And I do too right now. But like, what you got to do is you have to be willing to be able to move in this environment. And I said, it's going to happen. If you want to do these adventures, you're going to have to figure it out. And so I said, this is what we can do. We have to take these steps down there. So I kind of walked him through that and he's like, I can't do it. And I'm like, you don't have a choice actually right now, Asher, you ha- you've come up here. You actually have to get out of this spot because now we're on the top of this ridge and it's right. whipping and stuff. So I'm like, what we're going to do is instead of walking across the ridge, we're going to go down this place called hourglass, which is a, it's a cutthroat that goes down there from the top. And I, so I start bringing all of our gear down there where we can start transitioning. And I, I turn around, he's like 15 feet from me and he's on this rock and there's like a foot of band of snow, then another rock and it's pretty steep. And he's just tiptoeing back and forth with his pose. Like he can't step over it. He's like in fear motion. Like he's paralyzed and I could see it. I'm watching this. I'm like, dude, the kid can't do it right now. Like he literally, and, I'm, and he can't hear me because it's winding so much. So I put my bag down. I walk up there and, and he's crying. He's like, I can't do it. I'm like, yes, you can. I said, we're going to do it together. So I grab his hand. I said, I'm not going to carry you because he got, that's what he wanted me to do is pick, pick him up. And I said, I'm not going to do it, but we're going to do this together. So I kind of walked arms in him and I just forced him to take that step. And when he took that one step, he just got the motion rolling mm-hmm. and he got out of that paralyzation. And we ended up skiing down this little section where it's calm. I actually have a beautiful photo that I framed of both of us when we got right down to that spot. And uh, we sat there and braked for a few minutes and I just talked to him about that. I said, you see how fear stopped you? 
Like this, I said, do you see how easy and how dangerous it is? Because you in the in your head, you couldn't step over this snow band, and literally, you thought you were going to slip. You, you said you were going to you thought you were going to fall and roll down. So I said, do you see how quickly fear can really paralyze you in these situations? And I said, all I did is I said I didn't move you. All I did was I held your hand, and so we did it together. She so felt more comfortable, and then you were able to be able to do it, and, and, and you ski down, and even that was its own kind of. You still crying while you're skiing down. I said, you got to be able to ski. I said, trust yourself, trust yourself, and we did. So then we kind of had that whole debrief. And then we had to hike back up into, which was a calm hike because it was underneath the wind direction for it was, it was like 200 yards below the top of the mountain and this little, uh, undershoot. So it was, it was calm and it was cold, but it was beautiful and just, it was awesome. So we hiked over to Hellbrook and then we ended up skiing down the whole thing. But this, at this point in time, it, it's, it's, it's a long trail and it's taking forever. And it's like four o'clock. We've been going for three hours now and I had water and food and stuff for him, but like, it's, I'm like, it's freezing, right? And it was supposed to get down to negative 12 the, that the night. The sun was probably going to set The sun was already setting. So I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we got to kind of have to get out of here, Asher. I was starting to get a little worried that like, um, like it turned dark. Like I knew exactly where we were. I've done this trail a hundred times, but like, it, I was like, man, like I can't just, it's too deep for snow. I can't carry him out of here. Right. Like, so I'm like, and plus I'm like, what happens if something happens to me? And so we kind of walked the whole thing. So anyways. It, just, it was a constant, like he would get to certain sections and they're scary. They're like a steep, narrow uh, uh, area. And, so he, and the thing is, he has the ability to ski it. He was just, he kept getting into it. When I when we would talk, he would get out of his mind. He was actually able to ski it and enjoy it. He's like, wow, that's great power. And then he would freeze up again. Mm. So you could see it in his own body because he wasn't trying to hide it like he was scared. He would be telling me like, I'm scared, right? <laughs> like in this whole thing. So we kept walking through this. And so I kind of shared this story because I think it's, um, one, I'm really proud of him because it took three it, three hours and 38 minutes to do this whole thing. Most adults wouldn't even come close to doing this, let alone like adults turning around at the top because it was so there, but he was so determined and he literally, it's been probably three weeks since he's done this and he brings it up like every other day. He wrote a whole story in class about how he hiked the chin with his dad and how difficult it was. And yeah, it was so cool and told all his his teachers and, and unless you've actually done the hike, it's hard to it's hard to get a context for it, but you, you kind of can do through the story. Um, so anyways, it was just a great reminder uh, of all of us of like, how much is fear stopping us from doing something? Is fear a stop sign for people? And if it is, what is your ability, right? What is your, what is your kind of hack, if you will, or what is your go-to to get you through it? Because for Astro, like he would have sat there and this can obviously in a, in a physical situation, he was there and, and he, he couldn't move. But how many times do we do this with relationships? How many times do we do this? with conversations or things that we want to, um, you know, honestly in our business lives, in our personal lives, the things that we want to say to people, um, you know, like it, there could be fear. Like I was reading, you know, we get these story where these questions from my, my mom and she probably won't mind if I share this, but, um, she does listen to these. So, um, <laughs> but she was, you know, she grew up and her parents never told them that they love, they love you ever. And they didn't share any of that ever, right? Like, and then she didn't really think anything. She didn't feel like she was said, like she said in her in her question, she didn't feel deprived because she didn't know any different. Sure. But they just never said that. And so, um, when she first had me, my brother, who's older, is when she and she moved up to Vermont from Texas. She actually told my mom, "I loved you for the first time." And she was sharing about the story. I didn't know that actually. I was like, "Wow, it's interesting," because we've just always shared and said, "I love you" so many times. Like, it's not even thinking about it. And my mom has always done that to us. But she said it took a lot of it. Was, it was a lot of fear about what, what they were going to say. Mm, yeah. And at first when she said it and she kind of didn't, I don't know if she said it back or she, how she said it, but then 
my mom just started saying it every time to her, every time she'd hang up the phone. And finally she says it now. My, my, my grandmother who's 86 or 87 says it to me every time we see her or, or to my mom every time. And she's developed a different relationship with her because she broke that barrier of fear. But almost you can see it in her words, like almost for a long period of time, she didn't say, I love you because she was afraid mm-hmm. of, of not having somebody not say it back or what they're right, going to say or how they're going to fear. I mean, and being do- vulnerable is just fear. Yeah. Inducing in and of itself, yeah. regardless of what the outcome is. Yeah, and so I, I think about you know fear in its sense of of you know you can there's a lot of ways to have conversations of fears and angles that you can take right Hallie, mm-hmm. um, yes. and and for for this it's it's what are you, what is preventing you like I, I have heard I heard that phrase like don't let fear be a stop sign. And I think it's, it can be used in the conversation I shared with my mom of, of not saying I love you when you know it's the right thing to do and what you want to say or fear being a stop sign of sharing in a meeting. It's not like it's not all about, I guess, the, the point, too, is we share, it's not about like these big, gigantic fear things like, oh, my God, I can make a career move. That could be it. But that's probably not what it is. It's like these everyday daily things like. You know, I even think about little things like, do I wave to somebody when I'm running down down the street? Like, what if they don't wave to me? Whatever it is, like you wave to them or you're, you know, do you, are you afraid to share in a meeting or are you afraid to, you know, uh, eat what you want to eat because it's different, right? Every day. Or are you afraid to um, just kind of maybe express or, or tell your boss something, right? That's different there. So there's all these fear things that show up on a daily basis. Not these necessarily, we always think of fear as like these gigantic, gigantic things, or at least I think most people generalize that of what these big fear things are instead of actually asking some serious questions about, um, you know, what is fear kind of preventing me from doing in my life right now? You look like you want to say something. Well, no, I was just thinking about, um, cause we were having this conversation with some of the leaders in our company not too long ago. And, um, to, to your point, it, it, to me, they're not small thing. Some of the things that you mentioned were kind of small everyday things, but some of the fears that they mentioned to me, maybe because it's going to resonate more with me are like what they're big to me. They're big, but they're not physical fears. They're, they're the psychological or emotional fears. Um, like what if I'm not good enough to lead as we grow? What if I can't handle the work? What if I let people down? What if I'm not the right person? What if I'm not a good enough leader? Like those are to me real fears. Well, they're real psychological fears. Correct. Yes. yes. They're all psychological. Like physical fear, like if a, if a tiger is chasing you, you probably should feel fear, right? Yes. Even in physical settings, like even up there, like Asher felt fear, which probably wasn't a bad thing because it gave him energy to be able to push through right, or get yeah. the, the thing down. So physical fear is completely different. As but, long as it, he didn't, I mean, thankfully he paralyzed him. Right. Yes. As long as he yes. didn't get completely paralyzed. Which people, that's why people die in these, like, yeah. like I mean, you know, obviously Bill rescues people. I know every time you go on the mountain, yeah. I'm like, Oh gosh, is he going to rescue Adam? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that's, uh, at least I got med jets. They can come like, I know they that's pay true. for it. Right. Yeah. Um, but anyways, um, so yeah, it's like these psychological fears that prevent us. And I think, um, a lot of business leaders have the fear of imposter syndrome. They have the fear of not being enough. They have a fear of like, am I good enough to lead people? And that happens to me almost, you know, it happens to me all the time. Right. I, I'll go into a, but. Sorry, I was just going to say, you know, sometimes I think the other fear that we don't talk about, I don't say enough, but just that we don't talk about is almost, is all, almost the opposite. It's like all of these fears of what if I'm not good enough? What if I can't, you know, what if I look like a fraud? But sometimes I think there's these other fears of like, what if I want to um, not push as hard? Yeah. What if I actually want to yeah. take a step back? What if I'm comfortable yeah. where I am and I don't want to go build a huge company? Yeah. Yeah, it's I, all around judgment. 
Well, I think all of them comes back to the same, how you get out of all of that, whether it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm afraid of, of, it's kind of like, I'm afraid of, of creating an identity that I have to maintain, yeah. or I'm afraid of creating success and how am I going to create success? So people sabotage your own success, right? I'm afraid of not being a leader. There's all these different fears that are on there. The, really the reality of what it always comes back to is that you have to be willing to somehow figure out a way to either neutralize it so it doesn't run your life. Like an example for Asher, like prevent him from doing that. Or my mom is an example, prevent her from saying that. Like how do you neutralize that just by working with the energy or you got to get behind it, which is the deepest way, right? And what I mean by that is you recognize that you're, you hear the voice because really the fear, what it is, it's a physical feeling. You feel hollow, you feel shallow, you feel insignificant. You feel like these, these feelings of fear, right? You know what mm-hmm. people understand what those subtle differences of fear are versus anger, right? People can feel that differences. And again, you are the one in there feeling it and experiencing it. There is, um, so when you're experiencing, it doesn't mean you won't experience it. It just, and then there's a voice that usually talks to, right? And that's that mind, right? Mm-hmm. The mind will talk and tell you why you should be afraid. All the things, and it starts role playing out in your head, all the things that are going to happen and you get glued to it more and more and more. Well, yes. Or I also think the mind can also tell you, start telling you why you shouldn't be afraid or start over. I mean, I'm just thinking sometimes even of the judgment thing. Like, yeah. Like it comes it into starts, a judgment of like, how dare you do this? Even though you're feeling a certain way. No, I actually feel like, cause your mind's trying to protect you. Sometimes I actually think it does the opposite. Like, you know, actually you don't really have to worry about that. Don't worry about that person judging you. You're actually better than them. And then it does that whole thing too. Yeah. There's a whole form of judgment. The whole point <laughs> yeah. is like the mind, look, it gets funky in there. So here's the best way of saying like when you have some sort of fear that's going on, it just gets odd. It gets weird. And when it gets weird in there, it's weird in there. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. You don't have to, you're, you don't have to be a psychologist to understand. It just gets really weird at any level. There's different variations of how that fear manifests, right? It can go from judgment to shame to trying to walk you and try to, like you said, trying to protect you. And then as it protects you a day later, you go, you should have done it. Right. Like it takes a completely different opposite approach. So it's like, it just, it, it, it's not your friend, right? It's just trying to give you an idea or a solution because it's, that's what it's designed to do. That's mind just generates thoughts and you've just glued yourself to it. So the way out of that, right. Is to get behind it. Meaning that you're just, that's really it. Doesn't what, what, what does that mean though? Well, again, you can only, you can only take somebody so far with the pointers of how they get out of that. That's why the first step is really to neutralize it, which there's a difference between the mind generating its own thinking versus you generating the, using the mind to generate thoughts, to neutralize it. Right. As an example in fear, if the mind said, I mean, there's just pointers along the way, right? If the mind said, um, uh, you know, uh, you know, I really want this boat and you say, well, I don't need the boat. Right. If the mind said, you know, you should, you should be, uh, you should be afraid of having a conversation with your boss and say, well, I'm not afraid of having that conversation with my boss. Or you're afraid of, it's like, Hey, you shouldn't slow down right now. And you could go, I enjoy this time and season of my life. Right. You're always just neutralizing it. So you're just saying the Those opposite. feel like thoughts to me, not fears. Well, fear is a thought. Tell me one time that you've ever had a fear that didn't associate with a thought or a visualization of it. I think that fears are visceral. Not always. Well, of course you feel them. Not always. I think think you can feel fear. It's not always just a thought. Well, it's always, I think it's probably both. Yeah. I'm not saying it's one or the other, but it's not always just a thought. I don't think. No, 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 of course. Physically manifest. Oh, of course. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Psychological fear or physical fear is 100% visceral, but it's also, there's also a thought or a visualization that goes with that. Right. I mean, there's, I I mean, there's next time you have a psychological thought, there's, there's not, the mind isn't not talking when that's happening. 
yeah, I, I feel like I need to break it down a little bit because I probably ultimately agree with you, but on the surface, I don't like, I can't remember like the last time. And I'm actually curious, like what you're afraid of. That was one of the questions that I really wanted to ask you is what you're afraid of. So definitely answer that question. But like the last time I can remember really feeling fear, it was completely physical, even though it was a completely psychological. Yeah. Fear. 100%. You will. And my mind wasn't, my mind was blank. I couldn't, I was like, could barely articulate anything because I was so scared. Yeah. I think there's a, there's, there's probably different layers of those things, but you will feel a physical and there will, there will 99% of the time there will be a, a mind generated activity as well too. And that'll be, it'll role play. It'll talk you through something. It'll say that you don't know what to do. It'll do something. It's very rare that your mind's not generating a thought during that time or that experience. Now in a real physical fear sensation, your mind may go blank. Meaning that like, if it's a physical fear, that is different. Well, and that's maybe what my point is that in, in this particular case, it was so psychologically scary. It was so, it became so physical. Yeah. Yeah. That I, that's a good point. Yeah. Like there weren't thoughts yes. because I was like physically affected by the yeah. psychological. Yeah. My guess though, is there was thoughts leading up into the point where it got to the point where it was, it was so far down that yes. rabbit hole. Yes. And so when you first have those first thoughts that are generated, that's when you go, oh, that could happen. Like it's, it, we kind of talked about this on nagging needs yesterday a little bit where it's like, um, if, uh, if you use that mythology, right. Where you say like, oh my God, I could never live without this person. And you say, well, yeah, I, that's a fear, right? That's a, basically you're saying I can never live without this person. And you're, it's a fear. And so from there you could say, well, I could live without this person. And, yeah. and then people go, well, why would you say that? And go, well, what's the alternative? Yeah. The alternative is saying that I can't live without this person. Now you can't live with this person. Cause then what happens is you now everything you do is running off of that thinking. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I get that, that maybe that is a fear. I just, that's not how the fear would, I would articulate that as a fear. I would give say, an example. I can't live without that person. I would say, I'm afraid that I'm not going to survive if I, that person's not in my life. Well, you're just using different language. <laughs> it's the exact but you know what I, I mean? I feel like one's a thought and one's a fear. <laughs> Well, they're all, I mean, I think when I just said it better, okay. <laughs> that's really what you wanted right there. It's the same, it's the same. Thank you for that. It's, I mean, it's the exact same thing. It's like, there's a fear that generated, or it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't live with that person or I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine what it would be like if my, my business would bankrupt. There's a fear there. But that's a, like, but say that in a way that it feels like a fear. I think most people would fear that. I think people, when, when, the, when they feel a fear and they're like, oh my God, I'm a, so afraid, if you want there to use this yeah. way, I'm so afraid of losing money that my company's going to go bankrupt. That That's feels a more like a fear than <laughs> the other one. It's, it's, it's still, even on whatever it is, however it manifests or whatever it says in yeah. your, your mind, it's still a fear there. And yeah. so when you say, when it says that, you can always say the opposite right in that moment before it goes so far down that you're so paralyzed. Kind of like Asher was, I like get the fear built up and he became paralyzed right there. So the minute it comes in, you go, I'd be okay. What a growth opportunity And your mind will go ballistic. But the thing is what you're doing is again, I always go back to you. Then what's the alternative to buy in and say, well, I couldn't imagine what I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't live or I don't know what, how I do it if my business went bankrupt. 
Well, if you believe that, then everything you're, you're going to be so afraid. Cause here's the thing, you're going to build a business, make money. And then you're going to be so afraid every day that your business is going to fail, even if you have money or that you're going to lose money. You know, in Tony Robbins mastering the game in the book was like 17,000 hours long at the very end of it, he interviewed all these billionaires. And one of the best things about the interview, he asked everybody the first question. I think it was the first question. He asked them the same question was, you know, these people are billionaires, right? So it's not like they're worried about paying their bill, right? And they said, do you worry about money? And they say, every one of them instantaneously, unequivocally said, yes. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. So it's not the money. It's the fear of now like not being able to keep it or do anything like that, right? That's why if they're worried about it, worrying is a fear, right? It generates, it's a, it's a subtle, subtler vibration of fear. It's in the same family though, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like the orca of dolphins, you know, orcas are dolphins. I did this. I did this whole thing with uh, Maddie yesterday about I doing a dolphin. I'm sure I learned that. And by the way, point. dolphins have two stomachs, and they can't. They can only eat um, uh, plants, um, and they swim up to like 25 miles an hour. But however, orcas, yeah, orcas are also dolphins. I didn't realize that. So it's kind of like. But they. Um are killer dolphins. They're they, killer whales. I, I know. But, they're like, saying, yes, like but they're they, all part of a dolphin. So yeah, it's anyways. Yeah, so it's they, different variations of a dolphin, different variations of fear. That's interesting, that's, but yeah, that's makes sense. Side note. You can use that at dinner table tonight. Thank you. Um, and I don't even know what's going with the whole thing. Well, tell me what your fears are. Well, I will answer that question. I don't, here's the thing. I, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I could answer it the way that like there's an actual fear. Now, let me, let me answer this two ways. Number one is, do I feel fear at times? Absolutely. Right. Okay. Do I do, do I feel psychological fear at times? Absolutely. There's no, no question. I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm walking around not feeling or experiencing fear. Cause I do. The difference is when I feel it, I don't let it manifest in my body. There are many times where I walk in there. I'm like, man, I don't know if I feel fear of like, I feel like an inadequate. I know you're not using that example. I'll use, give you a couple examples of being able to lead this group today. There's a little fear there. And I just, just kind of like listen to it and I just let it go. That's what I'm, I get behind the energy. Or it's like, man, we're not really hitting our numbers the past three or four days. I'm like instantaneously, my mind goes, what happens if you fail? What happens if you don't do this? You're going to lose money. If you lose money, what's going to happen to the bell? And it starts going down there. I just watch it for a second. And within probably four or five minutes, I've moved away from that scene of my life. And so just the difference is, I think, um, just how long do you hang out with it for? I'm not at a stage in my life where maybe Jesus was, maybe the Buddha was, even Jesus though walked into places kicking things over and because he, he's just, you know, I don't know, he's angry, right? Emotions, he was responding from yeah, emotions, right? Yeah. And it's part of the human experience is to experience emotions. The difference is when you experience it, do, do you carry it with you for days or weeks or months or in the situation you say, I don't know what I would do with myself or I don't know how I would live if my business went bankrupt. That's going to be an underlying thought for you your entire life. And then if you're doing that, you're literally, that's how you're, it's ruining your life. It's not running your life, put an eye in there. It's ruining your life because now everything you do, you're going to be, oh, this is great, but I got to hold on to it. And you get, and that's why people get so tense around everything. Right. You're either pushing some, pushing that fear away or pulling other things toward you to protect yourself from that fear. Yeah. Um, it's, that's actually interesting that that's why you answered that question because I feel similar to that. Like there are some people in no judgment, but there are people who like have these major fears that they've carried for their whole life. Yeah. Um, and I think that's kind of what you're saying is that you don't necessarily have those because you, if you ever have them in a moment, you've addressed them Yeah. You've- and you aren't, you know, carrying around this fear from the past or this fear, this from this future that may or may not happen. Is that accurate? So you, it's not like you're saying one thing that I can say I'm afraid of. Let's just use that as an example is snakes. Like, What's well, a physical fear, though? It's I can't. Yeah, psychological fear. Yeah, but like I'm yeah. not really afraid of anything that I can think of. Yeah. 
Although what's really interesting is as we've done more of this personal growth and stuff over the years, it's actually lessened. Yes. That's awesome. Which is kind of interesting. I've noticed that recently. I still get like, I saw one not that long ago and I get like yeah. panicky, yeah. but I don't think about it all yeah. the time. Like with some, I used to see them on TV and not be able to even watch TV. Yeah. Well, that's, that's real growth. You see like a rope and you're like, there's a snake there. We were in Costa yeah. Rica um, a month or so ago and like we were going this, and Costa Rica has some of the most dangerous poisonous snakes and they're, and here's the thing. They're, going they're <laughs> in there, in their small. That's the thing is like, at least in Vermont, I was like, if a grizzly bear is coming after me, at least I'm going to see it first. Like these small snakes. Uh, man, anyways, we're walking and this guy's like, now you can go on this waterfall hike and we're with a couple of friends and like, it's, it's fine. No way you're going to see a snake out there, right? Not this whole thing. Sure enough, I'm not even kidding you. We get probably 400 yards down this path and I'm leading the path. And at first I had Sarah going because I wanted her to see because she doesn't she mind. No, she doesn't okay. mind snakes. Um, so she was kind of going first. Then I was like, nah, I, I can, I just, we didn't end up switching. And it wasn't like a, like a, like a male, female thing. It just happened to be that way. And then we just, then we stopped for a second and I started walking first. And sure enough, I went to go take a step and there's this black snake three feet from me that scares the shit out of me as I start because you know they just move out of nowhere oh, God, yeah. and it just cut across the trail and I was like Jesus right like and and, and, and one of the guys that's with us was so is super furious that he jumps back I would hear me do it and screams like it was so funny I won't mention his name to not embarrass him but it was it was hilarious um, when he, when that, he that would be funny yes yeah, so to, to do that um, but anyways there I think there's like a again that's more of to me it was a more like a physical fear because the thing was right in front of me and I just the, the know, last time I saw a snake it was um dead and frozen in the snow yeah and it's still yeah it's still yeah out. i used to actually i used to, it's funny because i used to carry i used to catch them and put them in my pockets and my mom would do my 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 laundry <gasps> and find dead snakes in oh, my pockets God. she said it was the most ridiculous thing or salamanders or frogs in my car but you know pockets. what's so funny it's like nothing else bothers yeah. me yeah. except yeah. for snakes you said talking about a grizzly bear i would be totally fine seeing a bear i'm not really afraid of them until ray and i have to you i Feel like heightened situation would be okay. Would be a bit, yeah, you would be fine. Either you'd be dead or you'd be fine. But you, something would happen. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, so like it's. Like, but anyway, I do. That's probably yeah. one thing I kind of carry around with me yeah. that I haven't quite gotten over. But to your point, like otherwise, I'm not like walking around like. Yeah fearing anything in particular. So, yeah. So the, the two ways really that you kind of work with any of these fears, because the question is like not everyone most likely has one of these fears or they're carrying around or that it's unconscious. And so one just, just bring awareness to your, the next three or four days after listening to this is like, maybe you're like, I'm not already having fears. I don't have that fear, but maybe you're so attached to it that you can't see it. Right. It's like if you're attached to a movie in a movie theater in that moment, you don't realize that you're actually there's other people around you. Right? You're so attached and glued to the movie theater that you forget there's 300 people in a movie theater with you until all of a sudden your awareness comes off of it. and You go, man, I'm in a movie theater. Like you just, you know, you know, what I'm it's a great example because I've never experienced that before. You've never been in a movie theater where you're so tied to the movie. No. Where do you ever go to the movies? Yeah. I I, I hear this. every little thing and I'm always paying attention to what other people are doing. And I get so I get in the movies and then like all of a sudden I'm in it and I'm so caught in the movie. No, but driving, I feel that way when I'm driving. Yeah, and I'm so like focused on what I'm doing. Yeah, then you just bring awareness back and then to I'm it. Like, yeah, um, where am I? Yeah, exactly. Well, whatever it is, and you kind of yeah. just did it. So there's that. You know, you you can once you bring awareness to it. So some people are so close to it that they're like, I don't, I don't actually have it. That's really the definition, by the way, of being unconscious. Being unconscious, I'm not to make it go down this path. But being unconscious just means that you're so close 
to the mind and so attached to it that there's zero separation from you from the mind. So when people talk and use these words about waking up or consciousness, they're like, what is anybody talking about? It makes no sense because you're just so close to it. And the whole personal growth, spiritual growth forum, if you will, or um, path is the separation from the egoic mind level self image that you've created and starts to go back further and you start separating it. And that's more of the awareness. That's when you can get you. It's lessened, right? Cause you're, mm-hmm. you're, that's when things start to, to not bother you. They cease to offend you in the old way. One of the Zen patriarch kind of comments. Um, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, can I just want to ask you a couple things there when we were talking. So I, I mean, obviously aside from public speaking, which a lot of people are afraid of me being one of them. Um, but again, that's lessened quite a bit as well. Yes. Um, is death. Yeah. And I don't necessarily, if you don't want to talk about like the whole fear of death, but I actually, I guess my question is, is there any sort of uh, light side to having some of these fears? Like even somebody was saying about like, you know, I'm, I'm afraid of my, I don't, I'm kind of making that, but like afraid of my competition. And they're like, but that's what's fueled me. Yeah all of these years or, you know, some people actually, I don't know how to say it, but um, you're saying it, you're saying almost feel comfortable or um, pride almost to a certain degree in some of their fears. Like, well, that's what, you know, my family, I'm afraid of death or if something happens to me, I'm the only one that people can rely on. So I have this fear and it yeah. keeps me going and holding my family together or holding my business together because I'm the only one that yeah. people have. Yeah. Well, I'm going to answer. So is there a good side to any of these fears? Yeah, I'm going to answer. So the, I'm going to answer that. The, um, and we're talking about death in a second too. But so the, the way is to neutralize the conversation, right? And the second way is to get behind it. And we're kind of talk about how you do this with the, the conversation of death. But it's really just to recognize that there's a, so just kind of going around the next couple of days being really aware that like, hey, you know what? Maybe I am taking this action because I'm a little afraid to do this or I'm avoiding this. Just be aware of that. And then just when it shows up, just kind of just, just, watch it just like you would watch something in your mind. Now to answer the question is there's absolutely um, truth to fear motivating people, fear getting results. 100% it is that you, you can fear can get a result like in business. Fear can get a result in sports. Fear can get a result. Now here's my response to that would be, let's say that, you know, you get X number of dollars from like, you're like, it's driven me. And if I let this fear go and I may not be able to hold my business together, my argument to that would be is, well, one is anytime you're responding from fear at that level, it's probably not the highest and best use of your decision-making. So what if you didn't have that fear and then took that same initiative and brought it into business? You most likely would end up being more successful than you were before. But people are holding on to that fear because it's, it's a self-image they've created, an identity they've created with it, that they need that to be successful so they don't want to let go of it. And so they've attached themselves to it. Again, the, how you get out of that is recognizing what if I, this is where it's really scary is to let go of the part of you that you think is you, which is that part of that identity about, Hey, if it fuels me or doing these things, it, it's true. It does. It actually works, mm-hmm. right. but there's a higher and better use. And that's what people need to understand is that or if you, a better way, or a higher and better way to accomplish the same result. Exactly. That's, okay. that's exactly right. And there's just another alternative to okay. do it. Instead so it's, having the fear drive you, there's the inspiration or the Enthusiasm, enthusiasm and joy yeah. that's going to drive you and you're going to actually be much happier and joyful on the way i mean a, a wagon with horses is going to bring you 
across state lines, but a plane's going to do it much faster, probably a little easier. So it's just, there's another way of doing it. And by the way, you're doing it, you're not going to be so caught up in the emotion because you're not responding from emotion. I always, the visual that comes to mind for me is like operating from this very closed, like tense. Yes. It's like a, it's a contraction. A contracted space rather than this very open and expansive space. It's a great visual because the ego is a contraction. So the ego, again, is, is an identification with something, form, visualization, who you think you are, and that's a tight contraction. That's why when you let your breath out and you let your shoulders down, your body relaxes because it's mm-hmm. tense. And the ego wants to contract you because as it contracts harder and harder, like a tight rope is just winding and winding around, it holds you there more. So it wants you more wrapped around it. The more wrapped around that you are, the tighter it actually holds on you. So actually letting go is the unwinding of that contraction itself. That's why people really get deep into spirituality and start doing, well, some people may experience deep releases that are actually very physical in nature, like an arm moving, body moving, you know, those type of things because it's actual energy being unbound, unwound, um, and then being released back into the body. So what about people who like almost get high on fear like adrenaline junkies yeah i guess i'm just like is that they they like it so well i think i mean it's, i don't uh, know if yeah adrenaline junkie is fear i mean i yeah, kind of feel like it is i don't you know i'm not one of those so i, I don't know if i could answer it 100 but i go back to what the alpinist the, the move the documentary yeah, i guess he wasn't actually feared he wasn't feared yeah, any of that's that that's true that's true was, i would be afraid of yes, all of it you're, yeah. you're projecting that onto yeah, him yeah. like you knew solo climbing but he was like there's no fear here at all when people are jumping at it's yeah it's, there's, there's a, it's a calling yeah it's like it's them getting out there and somebody could say the same thing about business like how dare they they can go into business and invest that type of money or their time without knowing that it's going to happen that right. i would be so afraid right and that's if, but i'm looking i wake up and go yeah junkie. that's i'm yeah. just i'm just i'm just enthused and excited about doing it like there's, yeah, okay. there's joy so i don't think it's a fear that drives necessarily right that. it actually might be that expansive yes. enthusiasm yeah like in that what looks that, like if it was me it would be fear well you're projecting that Cor- correct the fear yes well yeah i'm just saying like you know you, you would probably have yes I would, have, yeah. yes it and people and, and it's fine like if, if you're afraid to do something you don't mean to go do it just don't let it run your life don't let it be a part of it like yeah and that's the whole thing we're talking about here is don't let fear be a stop sign for anything whether it's business personal financial any of those things it doesn't mean you're reckless it doesn't mean you have to go jump out of a plane because you're like i need to overcome my fear maybe you do maybe you don't that's nothing to do with it you jumping out of a plane now may be an exercise to overcome parts of fear but you're still playing with the fear so it, and that's fine if you want to go do that those techniques work again at the end of the day though it's it, it's, it has nothing to do your psychological fear has nothing to do with you jumping out of a plane Again, it may overcome some of that, give you more confidence to be able to do those things. Yeah. But the best way to, to, to work on all of that is to literally get behind it. Recognize that it's there. See it. Experience it. That's why you're the experiencer of life, experiencing those things. So death, the reason why people are afraid of death is because they are afraid that some future event is going to occur and some future feeling is going to occur that they haven't yet experienced. And that's really the fear that people are afraid of when it comes to death. The fear, because when, when you say, I'm afraid to die, it's about you're afraid of a future event occurring that you're not there for. When I think of fear, I'm not sure that's how I, I interpret fear of death, but maybe other people do. I interpret when I think, I'm not actually like afraid of death per se, like of not being here anymore. I am, which I know is a real fear for people. I'm actually, if anything, just afraid of why I am here 
living a meaningless life. Yeah, I think that's a I think that's probably more of a fear for people. Some people when you're talking about fear of death though, for that fear of death, I think for a lot of people, it's literally it's it's they're afraid. They're they're basically saying, I'm forty and I'm afraid of dying. And it's like, I'm afraid of missing out on something. Well, stop missing out on your life. And this actually answers your question. Mm -hmm. If you stop missing out on your life and you live life the fullest, you live a meaningful life. And then you're what not, that, whatever that means to you, whatever For that means to me, you. it doesn't mean jumping on a plane. No, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody, nobody's in, yeah. It's, it's actually irrelevant what you do. Right. Living a meaningful life is actually tasting every moment of life. It's actually living a meaningful life just means that you're no longer glued to the mind being run by the mind. And therefore you have this expansive, that's a beautiful analogy you gave earlier, just expansive openness of vastness in the world that you get to go play in. And that may, while you're here, while you're here. Yeah. And, that, and, and for you, that's, you know, in business, impact, writing, content, people, it's all those type of things. And for other people, it's different, right? Like every, I always, every animal in nature operates differently. Mm -hmm. Some hang out in groups. Like we're looking at getting like, um, like emus and they need to like have, we're not hundred percent getting them yet, but they could, they're doing Wait, some emus. Are those like llamas or are those like ostriches? I can never, like a, they look like a combination of both. <laughs> like is honestly what they I do. I can't remember which one that is. And, and, uh, it, but they're like, cause we're actually, Sarah's going right now and taking a college class for organic farming. Cause we want to do this for our kids and our kids really want to do it. So instead of going Good out and her. investing like this whole, like big, like uh farm and our kids, like we're gonna have all this stuff. I'm like, we're going to start with, we we phased it out into like eight phases the first phase chickens? is chickens yeah. ducks and a, an organic vegetable garden very easily manageable phase, yes. and we're going to see how everyone does and we're starting that right now but anyways one of the things they're looking at is like emus because there's actually vermont is a great place to raise emus because they do really well with cold crisp environments and their eggs are very very expensive their oils they produce <laughs> it must be more like an ostrich than if it is yes eggs. it is and it's yeah and then so it's like yeah. i mean i looked at i looked at it for like five minutes so but it was actually kind of cool understanding that um they just operate different world some of yeah, them yeah. emus like they hang out in groups like and actually in fact a lot of times you they need each other in order to survive mm -hmm. a, like a cheetah or a leopard is a sole animal they don't want anybody around them they're still an animal they still have different natures every human being has a different nature too mm -hmm. every one of us does that's why it's almost impossible to understand what somebody's going through because you have a different nature you have different experiences all but those different things same species How, dolphins in, are the same the species theory, we all have the same nature well, I think that if you want to get to that level, the nature is to evolve. Yes. So at that, at that base level, okay. 100% it's to evolve as a consciousness and as a species. And everyone does that differently. And everyone just shares that a little bit differently. Every flame is a little bit different. Every animal experiences differently. If, if life wants to experience itself, it needs to experience itself in different ways. If it was all the same uniformity, then it would, everyone would act exact the same. The reason why people... I know. I'm just saying with yeah. your thing, like all emus act the same. All cheetahs act the same. Yes, they do. But all humans are different, though. Okay. Well, they are, right? Like, well, I mean, I agree well, with well, you. Well, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> let, me, let me see this. Like, anybody's have, like, do, do your dogs act the exact same? My two? Yeah. No. I guess that's... You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at the no. base, yeah, you don't they like do. Yes, yeah, so at the base, but they do. But you're right. They have incredibly different personalities. Yes. That's the different nature. Yeah. That's what I mean by that. And that's why every human, like I have three kids and like literally people are like, used to say that like how different it is for every kid. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like we're going to raise them. They're going to be similar. They are so different. I should tell you this one funny story. Okay, so yeah. It's hilarious. Yesterday, um, so Maddie's my youngest and she is just a 
gypsy spiritual soul that is so kind and so fierce at the same time. So Asher, who's eight, Maddie's five. Yeah, okay. And and uh, and Asher's like, I want to wrestle you, Dad. Last night, so I start wrestling with him. And Maddie comes in. She's like, Asher, I want to wrestle you. And uh, and this and it was I was like I was like I don't know guys and Asher was like let her and Maddie's like I really want to do this and I'm like fine let's go downstairs in the basement and so we go down there and uh, Maddie just went five thousand percent like I mean I was literally telling Sarah this last night I was like in her eyes she wanted to kill this like it wasn't <laughs> like she wanted to hurt him she was like we're wrestling and this is it and she's like, gonna win so fierce yeah. like I mean even Asher at one point is like Maddie you're so good and she's not even that good she was just so committed awesome. like didn't care I was like oh my gosh it's crazy her nature is so different than his and then Sienna's wrestling me and she's like you know jumping on me playing she's like yeah. tickle me and I'm like, yeah. right? like oh, that type of thing like, yeah. so the natures are so different everybody right yeah. So, so again, when we kind of think about fear as a stop sign, one, bring awareness to it, right? What's your awareness around? Is there an unconscious fear that maybe that's there? And again, you don't need to do anything about it. Just, you don't have to do anything. Don't need to fix it. Don't need to change it. Um, If you've thought you had that ideology that like, I need to hold on to this fear to make me successful, maybe explore what if the possibility was that I could do greater things if I didn't hold on to that. Just, you don't have to change it. Nobody's asking you to do that. Just just being real, bring awareness to it. And if the fear shows up, neutralize it. Again, the best technique that I can give you right now, there's millions of techniques to do. I think one of the great ones is just to, every time the mind says, I can't do this. Yeah, I can. Or, you know, I, uh, um, I can't, I can't allow this person to leave. Well, that'd be fine if that happened. And again, it's not actually happening. It's just in your mind happening. Mm-hmm. And you just say the exact opposite of whatever it is And your mind will go ballistic, but you can train a human. <laughs> you can train a dog. You can train a human to do the same thing. So just you neutralize that same, same aspect. And then the, then the, and the last one is just, if you can actually get behind all of the energy. So like you, you see it show up, you see the fear, you're experiencing it and you're letting it pass. You're letting it actually, just like the wind blows, just like the cloud comes to the sky, you're just allowing it to pass. Sometimes they go for 30 seconds, sometimes it lasts for days or whatever, but you're just still, you keep getting behind it. And everyone knows what that means. You start to work on yourself. You don't have to explain it any more than that. People want explanation of it, but you already know what it is if you're at that level. Just get behind it and then let it pass. And if you work on those things, fear eventually, like you said, it's not, it doesn't go away tomorrow, but it starts to lessen, right? It just it becomes a little less. It starts to, the contraction opens up, the grip opens up, and then eventually you'll be able to live your life. Hey everybody, thanks for listening today. I wanted to let you know that our event calendar is filling up fast this year with impactful webinars, trainings, and in-person events. If you have been enjoying our show, you'll get a ton of value by connecting with us at one of our trainings by going to adamhergenrother.com slash events. Most of our events are completely free, so make the time to check out what we have coming up so you don't miss a thing. Again, you can find our events page at adamhergenrother.com slash events. We look forward to connecting with you there. See you next week for another episode of Business Meets Spirituality.